Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. If you're looking to install some new windows or a new door in your home, a great place to start with Pella is their showroom. It actually helps to see the windows and see the doors, open them, close them to get a better feel for exactly what you're installing in your home. The showrooms are really, really cool. They got showrooms in Omaha and in Lincoln, so check them out. Or check Pella out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. You know, everyone's looking for ways to spice up your next party. Well, if you're looking to take a party to the next level, I got the answer for you. The Runza Party Pack. The Runza Party Pack includes, wait for it, a dozen mini Runza sandwiches, 50 mini corn dogs, and a 20-piece chicken strip with your choice of dipping sauce. Mm-mm-mm. Now that's a party I want to be at right there. Head to runza.com backslash party pack for more information today. Runza makes it all better. Okay, we have a another great podcast on deck for you, and it's because we got a great guest uh, again. Ryan Miller, Creighton's new assistant basketball coach, uh, is on the pod today. He was just hired from TCU. And where he was a, a, an assistant coach for Jamie Dixon, really kind of re, reinvigorated TCU, got them to where they were a really a really good program in the Big 12. And you, you look at Ryan Miller, he's got a really interesting basketball background and journey. He's the young, his younger brother is Mike Miller. Everybody knows who Mike Miller is, NBA champ with the Miami Heat, a, a great NBA player, was a superstar at Florida. And... Ryan Miller's nephew is Mason Miller, who is in Creighton's 2021 recruiting class. He'll be on the team next year, uh, a 6'9 forward, really talented player. So Ryan Miller will be coaching his nephew, Mason Miller, at Creighton, which is obviously a really cool story and a really cool connection. But man, Ryan Miller's track record in college basketball is impressive. Uh, he was uh, a, on staff for John Calipari at Memphis, that's where he got his start, but he's then been at Pepperdine, then at New Mexico under Steve Alford, then at Auburn, then UNLV, and then TCU, and now Creighton. So he's really been all over the country, and he has a reputation as an excellent recruiter. So Jays fans should be really excited about Ryan Miller on the staff, and I recorded this this chat with Ryan on, on Thursday, May 6th. It was a really, really good conversation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this a lot. So let's get to it. Here's my podcast chat with Creighton's new assistant coach, Ryan Miller. Enjoy. On the line now, Ryan Miller, newest addition to the Creighton basketball coaching staff. First of all, Ryan, congratulations. Welcome to Creighton, my man. Well, I appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah, you know, I, I was uh, you, you know, reading about you, and, and I got to assume – and, it, and it's got to be pretty exciting for your nephew, Mason Miller, who's an incoming freshman at Creighton. i got to assume that Mason being at Creighton played a, played a role in your desire to come to Omaha. But lay it all out. What was it about the opportunity at Creighton that appealed to you? You know, Coach Mack and, and the system and the staff here have done an unbelievable job of uh, making Creighton a powerhouse uh, in the Big East and in, in the country. And their style of play, getting up and down the court, the transition offense, uh, the – uh, Coach Max and their assistants' abilities to teach an NBA style of basketball, which is uh, very intriguing to recruit to. Um, and then obviously there's family involved. Uh, you know, my mom and dad live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is about two and a half, three hour drive from here, and, and Mason coming here. So 
a little bit of it was a family decision to yeah. be part of his development and, and be closer to mom and dad. Yeah, you know, t- tell me about your relationship with Mason because, like, were you the cool uncle growing up? Like, is that what you've been your whole life or what? <laughs> no, I think it was. I think he was had a pretty cool dad who was playing in the NBA. So I, <laughs> I was just the I was just the assistant coach at some college. That's uh, it. But uh, but uh, no. I think he had a bunch of guys that kind of adopted him as he was growing up. Guys like Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. Yeah, so I was way down the list of cool people that he was. Well, so here's when when LeBron starts coming around, you're. I'm sorry, you're you're in yeah. trouble. <laughs> yeah, I go way down the list. I go, oh, that's just my uncle over there. Who's that in the corner? That's my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. Unfortunately, that's what happens. Yeah, uh, no question. No t- question. <laughs> tell me about Mike growing up quick before we really dive into you, because you know, obviously you're. You you look at Mike. I mean, he's an NBA champion. Had a really good NBA career. Mm-hmm. Great player at Florida. Like when when did you first say, "Oh man, like yeah. there's good," and then there's like this dude's got a chance NBA. to play in the league. Good. When when was yeah. it? Well, league good. Uh, you know, coming from a small town in Mitchell, South Dakota, a uh, fourteen thousand people in the middle of nowhere, really. But uh, you know, league good. I didn't really know that until. He was the fifth pick of the NBA draft. You know, it just did not seem like <laughs> sure. a reasonable thing. You sure. know, it just didn't seem attainable uh, growing up in our life. But my mom and dad put a basketball in our hands since we were, were babies. And the first moment I knew he was really good, uh, I would say he was going into the senior year in high school, and I was going into my senior year in college. And I was a decent – I was a pretty good player yeah. for our level. And I remember coming home in the summertime. He had these Doc Martin boots where kind of was the fab back then. He had <laughs> Doc Martin boots on and a pair of jeans, and I was – out in, the, out in the driveway, already shooting, sweating all over the place. And he came home from a buddy's house, and he wanted to play one-on-one. And I go, sure. I've kicked his butt his whole life. Yeah. And uh, I won, but it took everything I had to beat him. <laughs> and I said, I'm not playing you no more because the one-on-one champ is always the guy that beats you the last time. <laughs> yeah. So I beat him then, refused to play him again, and so I've always had the belt since. So I love uh, it. He'll say he he can beat me one on one, but he's never proven. It's never it. so happened thought, though. Yeah, it's never happened. <laughs> it's that? never happened. But yeah, that's exactly. amazing to think about because you were a good player at Northern State. You're mm-hmm. in college, like you know the difference between being 21, 22, 23 years old and seven, you know, seventeen, eighteen years old is a big deal. And the fact that you had to grind to beat him is yeah. pretty telling, you know. Yeah, that was pretty. I remember actually going into the house right when we were done playing, and, and Mike was. I mean, he was talking trash, so he's yeah. my four-year younger sibling. He's talking trash and kind of taking it to me. And I, I had to still prove that I could beat him, and I barely did. I remember that. And I remember going into my dad's uh, room and saying, man, I just I don't know what level is going to be, Dad, but holy cow. <laughs> yeah. He is good. He's good. I remember telling him that. And uh, obviously, I mean, he went on to Florida, had a great career there, yeah. went to the National Championship game, helped lead a team, and then had a uh, 17-year NBA career. So, you know. I, again, I didn't know he was going to be NBA good because it's, it just you never seemed know. like an unattainable goal, right, really. Right, uh, right. We were just trying to be the best players we could possibly be. And then, you know, obviously uh, that dream came true for him on in a 2000 draft on draft night. And, uh, yeah, I remember that very vividly. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Everybody that knows my athletic background, you know, as a quarterback in high school. But, you know, I believe in establishing the run game. And even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger. Some onion rings, double dipped in a homemade batter, a little bit of a pop to top it off. You know, in football, you establish a run. But at lunch, you establish the runza. It's just that simple. So get out to runza today and establish the runza game. Or 
check out the delicious salads. You got the chicken bacon ranch salad, sweet berry chicken salad, and my personal favorite, the Southwest chicken salad. You got to get out to Runza, establish a Runza game, or get a salad. Either way, you are going to leave satisfied. Runza makes it all better. Tell me about you. Okay, you, you mentioned that your you know your parents and you know put a ball in your hands at a young age. I mean, obviously, fam- family basketball is kind of in your family's blood. I mean, when you think about you, you Mike, now Mason, what did it, did anybody in your family coach or like what what is it about <laughs> basketball that's kind of infiltrated the Millers? You know, it's just a, one of those deals that my dad was a pretty good player, a small college player, in South Dakota. I had uncles that were really good college players in the area of Dakota Wesleyan University in Mitchell, South Dakota. We just grew up watching them play, and we idolized them. And we thought those guys were the NBA players, to be honest with you. And uh, it's just something that were, was in our family's blood. My, my dad was a, a middle school principal, and my mom was a teacher. And, you know, back then, too, there wasn't all these distractions with iPhones and video games and right. all that stuff. Right. So our distraction was uh, in, in these cold winter nights in Mitchell, South Dakota, was go to my dad's middle school and uh, play basketball for three, four hours a night. And that's kind of what our, our deal was. And it just kind of grew and it became who we were, you know, as part of our identity, uh, being right. part of basketball and, and coaching basketball and playing basketball. And it just, the basketball has been very, very good for our families, you know, provided me a great life. And obviously our younger brother, a great life. And, you know, Mason, a, gr- a great opportunity to have a scholarship at Creighton. So the round thing has been very, very, yeah. very good to, to our family, especially uh, coming from a, a location that doesn't happen very often. No, um, you know Mitchell, South Dakota. Yeah, you know we're kind of getting into it with your basketball journey because it's a really interesting one. I mean, we, we talked about you. So you play at Northern State, and that's when you actually kind of first cross paths with Greg McDermott. He was yep. coaching against you when he was at Wayne State. For yep. you, I'm always curious to ask people this: when did the when did the coaching bug bite you? Like when you were playing at Northern State, did you know that I I, I am going to be a coach? Well, I always knew I was going to be a associate of basketball. It was such a big part of my life. I mean, uh, it was basically in our family is uh, uh, basketball, uh, family, the Catholic Church. And so that was really it. Basketball, family, Catholic Church, and education. Even though my parents were teachers, they were kind of down the list, to be honest. Right, right. Yeah. You know? So it was just such a big part of our lives growing up, okay? And I knew I'd be associated with it. I don't know if it was coaching, per se. Um, you know, I kind of got the coaching bug i i played four years in northern in 98 i went overseas and played australia a couple of years and my brother got drafted in 2000 and he called me when i was in australia said hey man can you help me out my first few years in the nba so i stopped playing um i decided to go help him and and get him accustomed try to do whatever i could to help him train him uh help him grow up a little bit because he was 20 years old right and uh and once he got through that process, the first couple, two, three years, I was kind of like, I kind of like this. I kind of like being, having an impact, developing players and doing that. And then I uh, had an opportunity to join John Kyle Perry's staff at Memphis as a video coordinator and uh, on the bottom floor. And the opportunity was there. And, uh, you know, I knew I was going to be in basketball. I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And then the career just kind of took off from there. Yeah, you bring, I was going to ask you about that. So your first real kind of gig was with Coach Cal at Memphis. Yeah. How did you get hooked up with him? You know, the basketball as you go through the basketball world, the basketball world's pretty small. Yeah. And with Mike's success and, and getting to know people, we had a lot of similar, uh, similar friends. And there was just happened to be a video coordinator job opening up. Uh, at the same time, my brother got traded actually to the Grizzlies from Orlando Magic. And there's a video coordinator. And we called uh, uh, Craig Neal and, and another guy named Brett Barab at the time that knew, uh, that knew uh, Coach Cowell really well. 
And then he said, yeah, come on, have him come down and meet me. I came down and met him and, you know, started. He said, yeah, you're the kind of guy we're looking for. You right. have a lot of experience. Your brother's playing in the NBA. Uh, you can be a good out, a, good, a resource for us. Sure. And uh, we went from there. You know, it, it's you, you look at your journey. So, you know, Memphis to Pepperdine to New Mexico to Auburn to UNLV to TCU and not a Creighton. Really yeah. all over the country. I remember yeah. – so I played for – I played for for Bill Self for his first two years at Kansas. I remember the first, one of the first things he said to us. He says, "Guys, you know, with this game, the more you know, the more you're going to realize you don't know." And it's yeah. kind of like this never-ending process of of kind of absorbing the game of basketball. What's that kind of been like for you? Because I mean, you've been all over the country around all these great these great coaches. I'd imagine it's been wild in terms of just acquiring different nuggets and knowledge along the way. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's. You know, a lot of times when I make these changes or make these moves, uh, it, it is to keep uh, developing and keep uh, learning from other people how how you do things, how they do things. And that's one one of the things that drew interest coming here. I mean, we talked about the family stuff, but really what drew me here was being able to learn uh, Coach McDermott's style and how he approaches it, how they get in their success there. Because, uh, you know, to me, it's one thing saying we want to play fast. We want to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, all the coaches say that, right? Right. But, but then, actually, when they get down to it and put it into action and how to how to recruit the personnel you have to recruit to have that type of success. Coach McDermott's been one of the only coaches in the country that's not only said it. He said, like, we're going to play this way, but then he's also been able to win that way and also be able to showcase talent that way, um, which has made it very appealing. So all these different stops, I'm just acquiring knowledge and, and acquiring more knowledge and been lucky and meeting more people and building that network because the network in college basketball and college athletics is so important. Of who you know and and what and what you know too, um, you know. Just been very very fortunate to be in the places and being able to learn from Coach Calipari, Steve Alford, right. uh, got Vance Walberg, who was the innovator of the dribble, dribble. You know, uh, Jamie Dixon, who was top physical play. Right. Uh, all this stuff is just kind of inquiring, uh, gathering this knowledge, so I can help our staff here and help Coach McDermott here, but also be able to you know keep my progression going and developing at a high, high level. Yeah, it's – did you feel like – was there a what, – what stop in your coaching staff or in your coaching career or recruit or season or team did you feel like was kind of a turning point in your career? Like when things – when you kind of felt like, you know what, I've kind of arrived, I, I got a little bit of cachet with me. Was there one recruit? Was there a team? When it, Was yeah. there a turning point for you? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know. I can't remember what year exactly it was, but it was our most successful year in New Mexico. Um, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but we, that year we went 30 and five mm. in the Mount West Conference. We were one of our top 10 team in the country. Uh, recruited a kid named Darrington Hobson. Uh, yep. Uh, actually, Darrington played for Coach Allen Huss at Decatur Christian. Okay. Uh, and ended up when going to junior college, but he was the Mount West Conference Player of the Year. And we, in the Mountain West Conference, when Kawhi Leonard was in the league and Jimmer Fredette was in the league, and we won the league. And uh, so we, we were very, very good. Uh, I recruited the, the top player in the Mountain West, and I kind of – you know, you never have it all figured out. And I will say this. You never have it all figured out in this business. Never, never, never. But that was at the time I was saying, okay, things I have a chance in this business. Right, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I can remember even early on, and uh, I remember talking to Coach Altman about this. Coach Altman recruited Mitch Richmond. And yep. like the reality is there, 
we're all kind of th- those kinds of things change the trajectory of coaches of head coaches assistant coaches all those sorts of things so it makes it it, it does make a difference when you are directly tied to the Mountain West Conference player of the year your team's 30 and 5 like that yep. makes it that 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 your Ryan Miller the coach changes in that moment a little bit. Yeah, no, no question. I think uh, a lot of the peers and a lot of the industry looks to you a little different. They say, okay, uh, he can recruit. Uh, he can develop guys. He can help a team win. He knows uh, how to be a good assistant, how to, how to be a, a successful assistant and uh, help, uh, help a team figure out ways to win games. Hey, I, I want to – so let's crawl into that a little bit more with recruiting because I, I want to I really crawl into your brain here. And I want to start with uh, – yeah, I feel like I'm name dropping. Like with Bill Self, he used to say, like, I want to, when I recruit a kid, I want to watch him play great. I want to watch him play good. And then I actually want to watch him play bad. So, because you can see how he reacts when he's playing bad. Like, yep. and take me into your mind with when you're recruiting a kid intangible wise. Like, how, yeah. for maybe there could, there might be a 16 year old recruit listening to this thing. How much does it matter, body language? looking at your coach, how you interact with your teammates, how much do all those things impact when, when Ryan Miller's sitting down to watch you play? Yeah. Well, obviously you said it. The first thing you look at is physical uh, physical ability, size, athleticism, all that stuff. Okay, that gets you in the doorway, right? Right. That gets you like, okay, I can t- I'm going to take a look at this kid. Does he have the speed? Does he have the physical size? Does he have the athleticism? Does he have the skill to play at this level? That's the first thing. But that's not the most important thing. Okay, that just gets you in the doorway. After that, it's what you're talking about. Uh, and Bill Self is exactly right. How you uh, handle adverse situations really uh, gets you to a place like a Creighton or a place like TCU I was just at. Uh, how you handle adversity. How, th- how are things going when it's not going good for you? Are you a guy that puts his head in the sand and starts pouting with bad body language or uh, cussing out teammates or going at your coach? Are you a guy that buckles up and, and gets it done? Um, those type of things, um, you know, can really make a difference between uh, a player that play, and doesn't have a lot of success uh, and a player that gets recruited at, at a big East school like Creighton and then goes on to have a lot of success at a school like Creighton. Right. Um, because there's a lot of talent out there. It's, the game's global. The game is global. Like there's, uh, It's obvious. I mean, you look at Creighton's roster right now, you got kids from Georgia, Australia, all over the country, all over the world. Um, it, there's a lot of talent out there, and the, the things that make a difference are some of those intangible things. And the biggest thing is like you, what you talked about a little bit, how you handle adverse situations. Because when you're playing at a level like this, when you're playing Villanova, you're playing St. John's, there's going to be situations that you're going to hit a lot of adversity. Right. There's going to be a situation where someone doesn't pass you the ball on time. There's going to be a situation uh, when you get your butt kicked. You know, and you just got your butt kicked by Marquette, and now you got to turn around and play Villanova. Right. And how you can respond to those situations really determines success. Right. I mean, it just – such a such a, a massive part of the game that that I think a lot of a lot of younger kids don't really think about. But with all that said, though, Ryan, like, give, give me give me though when you evaluate and you start looking at a kid's physical tools. Let's say you're looking at a guard. You're not a point guard, just maybe a wing. What yeah. what are some of the things you sit down and you really want to see in today's college game that that are are going to be determining factors of you wanting to continue to recruit him, assuming the intangibles are there. Yeah, if you look at a wing, I mean, you look for size. Number one, can can he? Well, 
it all depends who you're, who you're recruiting for. That's too. what I was going to say, I too. Saw, matters I, now. I, I Jamie Dixon, not, like yeah, someone a little Jamie different Dixon. than Greg McDermott, maybe. Exactly right. It all comes down to what you're looking for. If I was working for Coach Dixon, or I did for the last five years, I'm looking for a 6'5", physical, athletic wing that can really, really guard, that can really, really play physical defense, that can get to the rim and be make physical plays at the rim, right? That's 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 what I'm looking for first. And then the intangible parts, which is more important, obviously, than yeah. some of the physical attributes that we just talked about. Second, but – if I'm coaching from Coach McDermott, and I have to sit here and learn from the staff and learn from Coach. And I just talked to Coach Lusk today because I want to get an idea yeah. of what Coach McDermott's looking for. So I'm like you said, you never stop learning in this business, and I'm learning today. Obviously, and I'm like a, a kid in the candy store trying to figure it all out right now. Um, but I would say for Coach Mack and, and being around and watching his teams, which I watch a lot of his games, and I was, you know, I was involved in uh, Mason's recruiting a little bit, so I, I kind of have a good idea how they play and why it works for Mason. The same kind of similarities where we talk about why it makes sense for Mason as for some of these kids that we may be recruiting for. We're looking for someone with, you know, if we're t- talking about a wing, we're looking for someone who's probably six five that can be able to be able to really make shots. Uh, that's a three and D type of player that can make it. Uh, if we kick ahead on a three, he can make the shot. But also, if they attack his attack him on a closeout, he can go by and rip and get to the rim and finish at the rim. Um, those are the type of guys we're looking for. Then someone that can uh, obviously guard his position, guard guard a wing, uh, a physical driver wing. Uh, that, that that's um, quite prevalent in, the, in our league and, and in major college basketball. When how much is the transfer portal and now that you guys can you know transfer and be eligible immediately how much is that a game changer for what you guys are going to do or do you do you not want to overreact to it uh it's a game changer yeah um, it's a it's a game changer especially you know this year this year is very interesting because we haven't been able to go out and recruit so some what was hampered us a little bit and hampered every staff uh across countries you, it's, you can't evaluate the intangible part on a Zoom or a video or a yeah. stream on, on the internet. So it really makes it makes the evaluation part hard. What doesn't make the evaluation part hard is if you played a kid, if we played a kid at Oklahoma twice this year, and we know exactly what he is. I see him every time, and I scouted him out ten times, and I know exactly what type of player he is. And he wants to transfer, and then I know exactly what that kid is and what kind of what he, what he brings to the table, his experiences, his experiences of high major uh, college basketball. Uh, I can see that. I can feel it. I've, I've coached against it. I've, you know, seen all this stuff. So right now, that 21 class has kind of got, uh, kind of got screwed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, for no better word. Yeah. Uh, because for us, it's a lot easier to evaluate uh, during this COVID era right now. Those type of guys that have, uh, th- those guys that you f- felt already, you saw, you saw physically, you saw in person, you scouted a hundred times. You right. know, um, I think it'll. It'll, it'll weed its way out a little bit where those uh, high school kids become more valuable. Uh, but it's, we're going to have to go back on the road recruiting again. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella. Won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent 
at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable, and Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. You know, there's just, I was I was writing stuff down with you, and it's like you got to balance all these things. Like, you want to, everybody wants to get old and stay old. You yep. want to y- utilize the transfer portal. Yep. You do need high school kids for your developmental, you know, foundation. Every once in a while, you maybe got to dip into the junior college market. Like, there's a lot of different ingredients that you got to balance. And the reality is, Ryan, like, one of – if you go all in on – okay, we're going to be all high school kids. Well, that's probably not good. We're going to be all transfers. That's probably not good either. Like, there's a, there's an art to how you're piecing together a roster, too. Oh, for sure. I mean, piecing together rosters, whether it's personnel, whether it's personnel-driven, class-driven, you know, what classes that you're recruiting – our, our positions you're recruiting is it's like putting together a puzzle. Yeah. And, and I will say like, no one knows how this is all going to play out. And what I admire about coach Mackin was looking from afar a little bit. It looks like he's had the, no one had, again, no one has the puzzle all figured out yet. Um, but he has a lot of the pieces kind of figured out how this new age of college basketball is going to work out. Like he understands personnel. He understands the, the, the game is changing as far as what's important on the court, like the, the, the three point shot, the speed and tempo you play at. And he's understanding how to put together the puzzle of a roster, which is, which is very difficult today's college basketballs. It's going to, it's going to separate you know, because we're going through a mass uh, drastic change. Okay? Yes. And it, it's going to separate from, from from the guys that are on the top and the guys that are going to drop down. Some of the guys that can't change, uh, can't make the necessary changes are going to drop down. And the people that can adapt and change to the ever-changing pieces of college athletics and college basketball are going to have the most success. Yeah. And that's kind of what one of the things I looked at at Coach Matt because I, I thought from afar, again, not being in the locker room every single day, not being in the wars every single night, um, that he – it was doing a good job and their staff was doing a good job of uh, figuring out the pieces and what you have to do to be successful in the new age college basketball, not only what you do on the court, but how you put together personnel. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously I'm biased. I think the world of, of Greg McDermott, uh, I, you know, think about it, Ryan, like this guy and, and you get it. Cause you guys lived it a little bit at TCU with the, with the move into the big 12, but like this guy goes from Creighton transitions from the Missouri Valley conference to the big East and during that transition over the course of seven years, he's built three different top ten teams. That's not that that's that's a really no. challenging thing. So yeah. I think the way the guy's been able to piece together rosters, different kinds of rosters, yeah. is is as top shelf as it gets. And and you touched on it earlier in our conversation of like everybody says they want to play fast. Everybody says they want to give their players freedom. Everybody says they want to take a lot of threes. But like you got to do that with intelligence and within the framework of being unselfish. And I just I've been so impressed with how he's been able to to wed all those different things together. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time I mean, as assistant coach, like you said, like a pretty high level, pretty high level coaches. And like you said, like everybody says that those things. Yeah. We want to give our kids freedom to play. We want to play fast. But when you come down to it, have you built a roster? Have you have you done things necessary in practice? Yes. Uh, have you done these type of things that when the game starts? that you can sit back and say, I've worked on all these things. I put together the right personnel. If they miss two quick threes with two seconds in the shot clock, two times in a row, I'm all right with it as long as they weren't selfish plays. They weren't selfish shots. You know, right. a lot of coaches I've worked with, a lot of coaches I've coached against, they don't like that. They say 
a quick shot, they get a little frustrated, you know, okay, we'll live with one quick shot. Do we take the second quick shot? Then all of a sudden they call a timeout. Like they're going, we're taking too quick a shot. <laughs> you know? Right. You know? Right. And to be able to do that, to be have the demeanor, to not be controlling, to let your kids have the freedom. But also, you know, it's me even before that. It's like, Coach, you have to recruit the right personnel. You have to understand, identify talent, the right talent that you're recruiting towards your system. And then you have to work every day to get allow these kids to have those types of freedoms and then be all right, not micromanage the game, to let them take these shots because you've worked on it and you you have a lot of confidence in, in the system and and who you recruited to be able to go make those plays. Yeah. Like you said, everybody says it. Everybody says, we're going to play fast. We're going to let our kids play. Shoot, we're going to shoot a ton of threes, but not a lot of coaches actually put it in play. D- totally, completely agree. And you know, you, Ryan, I'd imagine when you're when you're sitting in front of and on the phone with kids, like when you're in in no particular order, I'd imagine what's high on priority list for recruits is the conference that they're, you're playing in. You want to play for a winner, style of play, fan support, and then you know it is. A lot of kids have pro aspirations. Can like yep. what kind of pros do you have you produced? Sure. I, I mean, Creighton checks a lot of those boxes. Right, yes. like I would, I would think this is a pretty exciting program for you to go out there and sell to recruits. No, I mean, I mean, the same reason. I, I left it unbelievable. I was assistant head coach in the Big Twelve, working yes. one of the best coaches in the country. We've had good, we had good success, not great success. We, you know, their last NCAA tournament before we got there was 1998. So, right, uh, we're part of a turnaround. We put a kid in the NBA, so a lot, a lot of things were going good. But like you said. To, for me to come here is the same uh, things I tell the kids right now that, that we're recruiting here for Creighton. I said, I came here for the re- same reasons that you should come here. <laughs> the platform the platform yeah. that we're allowed, the success, the Sweet 16 success they've had, the three top 10 teams that Coach McDermott's coached, the NBA kids that are coming out of here, the 17,000 fans that are at the arena every night, the amazing platform we're going to have in the Big East. All those same things for reasons I'm coming here. The style of play is very conducive. I want to learn from Coach Mack. I don't have all the I, I, I know how they play, but I want to learn more about how he puts it in action. Because like we talked about, I keep referring to it, but it's so important, is all the coaches say they want to do it. Right. He's about the only coach in the country that really does it at a right. high level. Yeah. I mean, so I want to take it in. The same reasons why you should come here is the same reasons I came here and the same reasons my brother, Mike, who's a 17-year NBA vet, said Mason Miller needs to play at Creighton. Right. Right. No, you're, you know? you're exactly right. It, you know, and it's, by the way, were you, I got to assume you were, you were obviously on the staff when, when, when you guys beat Creighton in the NIT at, in, uh, in d- were, I, d- were you there? I you, was on, I was not, I was on two staffs in New Mexico that beat Creighton. Oh yeah. I was on, I've been on three staffs. Uh, my fault. My, yeah. We beat, we beat Creighton in NIT a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yes. That's right. That's what I'm staff. trying to remember. I'm, I was I'm, on the staff and then we played Creighton twice with Dana Altman. Yes. Uh, when I was in New Mexico. Yeah, I, I I just wondered if like the the first taste of you know uh, being able to see Creighton at TCU a couple of years ago probably helped too. Like it's one thing to watch them on TV casually when you're sitting on your couch before you go to bed, but it's another thing to have to like study film and get prepared for them and go, man, this man, what they do yeah. with ball screens, what they do with lobs to the rim, what they do in transition. This is this is really good. No, it's really good. And that we play, we got fortunate because we played a very young team back then. That was kind of their building yeah. team for this this last past two years. But um, yeah, it, it was good to see an action. It was good to scout against. Um, you know, again, I've always been a fan and style of how they've done it and how they right. play. You know, um, but when you see an action like that, you know, I, I was referring to my time in New Mexico because we came here. 
I don't know what year it was, but we were we had a pretty good team that year. And uh, and Dan, it was the Dan Altman team, but I was just referring to the fans. Right. Uh, we had like a 16-point halftime lead, yes. or a 14-point halftime lead. And P. Allen's didn't went off the second half. <laughs> and uh, they came back. But I, all I can remember, what the biggest thing I can remember is the fans. Right. The fans in that place were so loud uh, while they were making their comeback to beat us. Uh, it was all forever ingrained in my mind how uh, this place is loud. This place is crazy. I couldn't believe how crazy it was, right. really. And I've right. been at crazy places. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by White Castle Roofing. White Castle can handle everything from replacements to repairs. And a White Castle Roofing expert can come out to your home and give you an honest assessment of your roof, even if that means nothing needs to be done. One of the best decisions I've made is to go with White Castle Roofing when my roof had some hail damage back in Omaha. And listen, when it comes to your roof, you don't want to mess around. You need people you can trust, and trust me, you can trust White Castle Roofing. When I had some hail damage, working with White Castle was smooth, it was easy, and most importantly, it was done right. If you're like me, Way out of my element with this stuff. So I need people that communicate every step of the way from start to finish. White Castle did just that. They're all about quality. They're all about craftsmanship. The crews are knowledgeable. They care about the details. And cleanup is a top priority. And when it's all finished, the roof looks great. It's going to last for years. So whether it's for your home or your business, make the smart move and go with White Castle Roofing. Check them out. WhiteCastleRoofing.com. That's WhiteCastleRoofing.com. White Castle Roofing, built with trust, proven by time. Yeah, I mean the pit. The pit gets rocking, yeah. man. I mean uh-huh. it's uh-huh. it's a really good place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We'll, no. we'll get you out of here. Get you out of here. Uh, uh, here in a couple a couple of questions, I'll let you run. You, I, I was reading. So you're. It's interesting how Greg McDermott he, he changed this a couple of years ago, where he legitimately has like defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators with with yep. how he divides things up for the staff. It looks like you're going to be more hands on with the defense. Yep, uh, Paul was kind of like that. Yep, and so. Um, yeah, I mean, Coach McDermott's uh, very big on having a defensive coach, kind of like uh, kind of like football does. Yep. Defensive coach and offensive coach. Uh, done actually done. Uh, I was on the staff at UNLV that did it that way. Okay. Dave Wright when I was at UNLV, but I was on the I was on the offensive side of it. But I've done now. I've done both. So both through scouting reports to when you do scouting reports when you, like for Coach Dixon, for example, when I were scouting out uh, Baylor, we're putting together defensive and offensive plans. He wants one guy concentrating on one side of the ball, which I kind of like. And uh, we'll concentrate on one side of the ball. We'll put together the best defensive plans. Uh, talking to Coach Mack, the defensive philosophy, obviously, we're going to kind of inherit is, yeah. you know, bend, don't break style. Right. Um, do, do, whatever you do, don't give up open threes. Don't give up open layups. Uh, force the team into much mid-range. Kind of go back to that offensive analytics. Trying to force as many mid-range twos, contest the mid-range dribble twos as we can. And, uh, you know, throw in a couple of zones to change the pace. And uh, make it pretty exciting. Make it pretty, you know, a bend or break style so we can get out run offensively and, and make plays offensively. Yeah, that's it's you know, it's it's good. It's I mean, obviously there's no every there's a million different ways to do it, but it's nice where you know, like when I played in college, you could tell when one assistant had the scout and maybe the other two assistants are kind of checked out for that for mm-hmm. practice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like when everybody's involved, exactly right. and it, I it, totally agree with that. I'm yes. like Yeah, I can just, by human nature, I, I I catch myself doing a right. little bit too. I mean you know, Baylor, who was my scout, I was, I was fully engaged. I knew the whole offense and defensive game plan. I know, you know, where, you know, they call it a play, Baylor called it a play. I knew exactly what they are going to run. Right. When I was off it, I'm just kind of human nature. When we played uh, Oklahoma State, I was like, 
you know, I was still engaged, but right. you're like not knowing the nuances of it's the just game, different. what's going on, the right. play calls. Should we play off? Should we play man or, deep, or zone? Should we? Uh, how should we attack them offensively? So you kind of just like checked out. You know, the one thing being in the league for five years that changed a little bit. I was in the league, Big Twelve. We didn't have a lot of coaching turnover. Right. That I knew all the teams really, really well. Right. Now I'm gonna have to relearn the teams, but after five years, I knew the teams really, really well. So even me being checked out a little bit, I was really checked in still at a high level just because of my history of coaching against a long crew team. Like, and you know, we play everybody twice in that league, like the Big Week East. So we'd play Oklahoma like two, maybe three times a, a year. Uh, so you had a really good idea of what they're trying to do offensively and defensively. I'm gonna have to go through the tapes like crazy to try to figure out the league a little bit. Uh, here coming to be the new guy in the league. At least you got Shaka. You 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 maybe you'll be I in charge of the Shaka. Marquette I do scout. Know I've gone yeah. against him a lot, so I know exactly <laughs> what they're trying to do. I love I do. it. I do. I love it. <laughs> Ryan Miller. Hey man, I kept you a little longer than I said I would, but this was great. I just uh, yeah. I've been looking forward to picking your brain. You got an amazing uh, track record and resume. I, I speak for everybody in in the Creighton basketball world. Everybody's really excited that you're here. Congratulations and thank you for taking out some time. Well, we're excited about it. We're excited about being a part of the community, about being, uh, being part of the staff here and just being part of the Creighton basketball family. So I appreciate it, Nick. You got it. Thanks, Ryan. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.